Hey, Natalie. Hey, Raf. Long time no see. Yeah. We've got an interesting topic planned for today, which is something very dear to my heart, but I didn't suggest it. You did. And it is, what is your product? It's dear to my heart too. Very dear to my heart, actually. Tell me why. Because I always used to think that Pilates was my product. And then when I changed my perspective, life just became so much better. Tell me why it's dear to your heart. Uh, Because I think almost everybody in the Pilates world gets this wrong. And I think that because almost everyone gets it wrong, almost everyone in the Pilates world doesn't make the money they could make and struggles to get clients. And Pilates is not as popular as it could be because we think we're selling Pilates. Mm. So I think we're, I think we're, I think we're marketing ourselves and Pilates wrong. And, you know, and I think we could do, we could get much better results if we didn't think of Pilates as our product. All right. I'm going to let you run with this because uh, between the two of us in the room, you're much better at the marketing bit. So tell, tell me what, what you're seeing and what you would like to see in terms of marketing. Well, if, if you look at you know, a lot of you know, successful businesses, they don't market their product. Like if you look at, I don't know, United Airlines, and this is an example I use in my book, right? you go to the United Airlines website, you know, what's on the front cover of the United Airlines website? It's not a photo of the economy class cabin of a long haul flight. You know, that's literally what you're buying. It's a picture of Hawaii. It's a picture of Hawaii. Exactly. Right. But United Airlines doesn't sell Hawaii, right? It's like Hawaii is not owned by United Airlines. They can't sell it to you, right? Hawaii is, belongs to Hawaii, (laughs) right? So when you, when you, when you pay United Airlines for a ticket, you're literally, what you're buying is a seat in that economy class cabin of the long haul flight, right? That's their product, right? But that's not what they sell. They sell Maui, you know, they sell cocktails on the beach. They sell sitting by the pool. They sell, you know, standing on Mount Kilimanjaro. You know, they, they sell waking up in some exotic city in the Far East, you know, and, and hearing the call to prayer or, you know, looking at the elephants in, in the rivers in Thailand. Like, but really what you're getting is a, a seat that reclines 10 degrees, you know, and, you know, some kind of like preheated microwaved sausage and egg thing. You know, so, so, and, and if you look at, uh, you know, for example, another one I use in the book, MasterCard, right? If you go to the MasterCard website, you know, what you'll see is a big photo of not you paying your credit card bill at the end of the month, right? <laughs> but people going on holidays and buying fancy things and cars and dinners and bottles of wine and golf clubs and like all of these fun things you can do with a MasterCard, right? I was going to say the freedom, yeah. The freedom you get from a MasterCard, not the piece of plastic or the the credit card statement. So, you know, so, uh, I mean, even if you look at, say, uh, like a Coca-Cola ad, like, yeah, they do show the product, but mostly they show people running around, having fun, being good looking and popular and, you know, lying on the beach or doing cool things in nightclubs or whatever they do in Coca-Cola ads these days, right? It's not just like 
there's all you never see a Coca-Cola ad that doesn't feature people, right? It's never just like, hey, here's a video of some Coca-Cola, you know, for 30 seconds in the Super Bowl. No, like they're not just selling the product, they're selling the experience and the results you get from using the product, you know. So so I think that's what the best marketers do. And that's why Coca-Cola is a world-spanning empire worth bazillions of dollars. And when we sell in Pilates, we sort of figuratively, we sell the economy class cabin, you know, like we're saying, hey, we've got these seats and we've got this tray table and we've got these reheated meals and as much filter coffee as you want. And, you know, but it's like people don't give a shit about that. They want Maui, you know, like when, when we're booking a holiday, we don't think, oh, which airline should we fly? No, we think, where do we want to go? <laughs> right. And then once we've decided where we want to go, then we just look for the cheapest airline. Yeah. You know, so I think it's, we need to stop selling the, stop selling the, the, the TSA lines and the, the economy class cabin and start selling Maui. Yeah. I agree with you. Tell me about your, because uh, you said at the start, that you had, I mean, I can't remember the word you used, but it sounded to me like it had some kind of, you know, moment of insight or clarity or something. So tell me about, tell me about when you, you know, you changed your thinking on this. I changed my thinking on this in orientation week when I was a breathe certificate student. And in O week, this, we don't do this anymore. Um, I think to save time, but I wish that we still did. There is a portion in our orientation where we talk about Pilates is not your product. Your product is happiness. It's routine. It's building community. It's building physical strength. It's improving mental health. It's meeting friends. It's having a little bit of me time. Like there are all of these things that Pilates actually is. And for me as a Pilates teacher, I think that gave me so that widened my perspective about what I was doing because at the time I was so fixated on what exercises am I going to teach? How do I keep my programs fresh? Am I boring? Am I too hard? Am I too easy? Uh, and really it's just like, I don't have to focus on those things if I'm just focusing on why my clients are, are, are here with me. And for it's many different reasons. Yeah. And when you get back from now, you probably wouldn't go for a holiday to Maui because you were born in Hawaii, but. Well, if you're from Hawaii, going to Hawaii is never a holiday. <laughs> but if you guys, if you go somewhere for a holiday, you know, and people say, you know, how was your holiday? you're much more likely to talk about the hotel or the dinner that you had or the people that you met or the walks that you went on or the scenery that you saw or et cetera, much less likely to talk about what you ate on the plane or, you know, that, that what movies you saw on the plane, et cetera. So I think, you know, to, to, to continue with your analogy there of, or it's not really an analogy, but like what we're, your, your kind of frame of what we're selling is, is, are all the benefits, you know, the results people hope to obtain by doing plays. They want to have more energy. They want to have less back pain. They want to feel, be stronger, be able to pick up their groceries. They want to, you know, 
be able to roll out of bed with energy in the morning and they want to have a better sex life. They, you know, they want to be less cranky They, you know, they want to be better parents. You know, all of these things are things that people want and, and hope to obtain from Pilates. They want to have better posture, maybe to appear more confident, you know? Um, and so, you know, now United Airlines can't, well, they kind of can deliver Maui, like they can get you to Maui, but they can't make Maui beautiful, right? Maui either is or isn't beautiful, and it's not up to United Airlines, you know, <laughs> whether that's the case or not. But for us as Pilates teachers, it is within our control whether our clients obtain results, right? So if we program our classes in such a way that our clients just get stronger and more flexible and get better, more energy and stuff, like we can actually deliver that to them. In a way, and so when someone's, you know, when someone says to them, you know, when their girlfriend says to them at, you know, brunch, how's Pilates? And they're not going to say, oh, I got on the foam roller today, right? They're going to say, oh, I'm having the best sex of my life. I'm sleeping like a baby. My back stopped hurting. They're going to talk about the benefits and the results. They're not going to talk about, you know, the they did the fuzzy straps or whatever because their girlfriend won't have a freaking clue. They don't know what the fuzzy straps are, <laughs> you know, or care. So, yeah, so I think, you know, to to frame that, you know, that's what your client, that's what's actually meaningful to the clients, right? And so if, if we make an ad that says, come and do our Pilates because, you know, of this Joseph Pilates quote or because of, you know, in 10 sessions, you'll see the, feel a difference in 20 sessions, you'll feel a difference, blah, blah, blah. Like it just makes us, indistinguishable from every other Pilates studio that's out there. And it would be just like if you went to look at the airlines and all they showed you was just like the price and the photo of the, the cabin, right? It's like, they're all the same. You don't care. You just choose the cheapest one. Whereas, you know, if, if one of them flies to Maui and the other one doesn't fly to Maui, right? And you want to go to Maui, it's like, well, guess which freaking airline you're going to choose, right? <laughs> Like you choose the one that goes to Maui. So, so if you can point your, if you can take your clients to a destination and the destination of course, being more strength, better flexibility, more energy, you know, more enjoyment, better mood, better sleep, all of those things, right? If you can point, paint that destination and, and put a picture of Maui on your website, not a literal picture of Maui, but a picture of, of someone like your client only stronger, more flexible, happier, and, you know, a nicer person, (laughs) then that is what we're selling. That is what we're selling. Yeah. You know, the other benefit of realizing that Pilates is not your product is that it then allows you as the Pilates instructor to be open and flexible about what it is you actually teach to give your clients results. And what I'm talking about here is um, a a nod to the Pilates police who goes around telling other people, you're not teaching real Pilates. And to that, I say, number one, uh, whatever. But number two, if I told all of my clients right now, hey, by the way, I don't teach real Pilates, they will not care because they get results. They're feeling stronger. They have more energy. I'm actually working with people who are working so that they can walk. They have multiple sclerosis and some of their peers end up in wheelchairs. They don't give a shit if I teach real Pilates. They give a shit about not 
being stuck in a wheelchair for 20, the last 20 years of their lives. So if that means I'm doing squats, even though it's not part of the original repertoire, that's what we're going to do because they need their legs to be stronger. So the other part of it for me really boils down to this identity crisis that we seem to be having in the Pilates industry right now, which is if Pilates is not really my product, if it's just one part of my identity, that gives me the freedom to actually pick and choose the things that I want to teach within my session to give people the results that they want, which includes things like keeping them out of pain, keeping them strong and flexible, letting them be able to feel taller and more confident so they can go kick ass in other parts of their lives. Right. And it also informs our choice of tools, right? And our view of the tools. And and in our profession, the tools are the equipment that we use, you know, as a reformer or a flex band or whatever. And it's also our choice of exercises, um, that, that, you know, programming choices that we make. And those things are important. Like for instance, if I go to a dentist, like I want them to have a chair and a drill and a light, you know, like they, you know, if they didn't have those things, they probably wouldn't be able to do as good of a job in delivering the result I want. But I don't give a rat's ass which brand of light they have <laughs> or chair or or drill, you know, and there's no way they're going to impress me by saying, I'll oh, come to our dentist. We've got XYZ brand of dentist drills. It's like, well, why would I care about that? You know, <laughs> like, you know, does it work or not? Okay, great. That's, that's all I need to know. Right? And I don't care if it's a $99,000 drill that, you know, has a coffee machine on the back end of it or whatever. It's like, that doesn't add any value at all to me. And the same, I think, in Pilates, we get very confused and we think our clients care whether we teach reformer or mat or we use props or or whatever it might be. Actually, our clients care that they get results and they care about the experience they have in class, like if it's fun and if they feel challenged and they feel successful, you know, and they feel welcomed and, and you know, and, and part of a, a community. And, you know, all of those things are, are agnostic as to what what physical equipment you use. Now, some equipment does make it easier to achieve certain results. You know, if you want to stretch, I reckon it probably is easier on a reformer or a Cadillac compared to, say, on the mat or on a chair, right, a Pilates chair. But, you know, if you want to just get strong, well, I think you can do that on any piece of equipment or no equipment, you know, and it's all, it's all good. It's all fine. It's nothing's better or worse than, than the other. And if you truly want to just, you know, deliver results and an experience to your clients, well, it doesn't really matter what equipment you have unless you, you know, I mean, if you like certain equipment, great. Yeah. You know, good. If you're good at certain equipment, great. You know, use that, but that, but clients don't care. Now they only care because we've told them to care, you know, like, Mostly they don't care, but in the cases where they do care, it's because we've trained them. Like we used to, um, at Breathe, we used to be uh, accredited by the Australian government with our training. And we used to say it everywhere. You know, we're accredited by the Australian government. You know, hi, I'm Raf. By the way, my Pilates organization is accredited by the Australian government. You know, like that was the first words out of our mouth anytime you saw us or heard us or whatever. And, you know, we used to get, funnily enough, a lot of questions from our students and prospects about the accreditation from the Australian government. They said it was very important to them that we were accredited, right? But then actually we just stopped advertising that we were accredited. Like we still were accredited, but we just stopped mentioning it. And 
the prospects stopped mentioning it as well. <laughs> they stopped asking about it because <laughs> we weren't yelling it from the rooftop. So they didn't know or care about it. It's like, I mean, think about it. When you go to the dentist, you know, which organization is your dentist accredited by? You don't care. I don't know. You know, you've never asked to see their degree, you know. <laughs> like, what about your airline pilot? You know, which which association are they a member of? You don't know. You know, like, I mean, you hope that they're properly trained and that they've done enough hours in the cockpit and all of the rest of it, right? But you don't know or care who they're accredited by. It's like you just trust that someone's doing it. <laughs> and and so I think it's the same in, in, in Pilates. It's like, we, you know, if we tell people – that XYZ piece of equipment is better. Well, after a while, they'll start believing us, right? But if we just never mention the equipment and say, hey, do you want to visit Maui? Well, I'll take you there. Like, they don't care. You know, like the airlines never advertise the meals that they serve or the any of that stuff. They they just advertise like, you know, be at Maui, you know? And I, I think that's, we we get super caught up in in the equipment and, and constrained within that is because like we love the tools and I'm sure the dentist has a favorite preferred brand of drill, you know, but it's like, who cares? Just the dentist. That's the only person, you know, (laughs) and it's the same with your clients with you. You don't need the $10,000 reformer or even any reformer, you know, you just need like gravity and a mat and, you know, some human connection and some good programming choices and you can you can you know work wonders that's all you need now i love the reformer i love weights i love you know cadillac i love all of that stuff but it's like but we like if you're listening to this podcast you're in the one percent of the one percent of the one percent you know like we this is the national dentists convention you know Yeah, we're niche, niche. We're very niche. Yeah, that's so funny that you bring up the whole brand of Pilates equipment because number one, I don't know. You can you've you've been in the industry longer than me, but I've never met a prospective client who has vetted the studio by asking what brand of reformer do you use. And what's funny is that when I was looking at, there was a period of time where I was interested in Pilates, but I wasn't yet ready to be a Pilates instructor. And at the time, I had a neighbor who is quite famous in the Pilates industry. She was trained by Romana and she was, she was well-known in the Pilates industry. She's still well-known in the Pilates industry. And she invited me to take classes at her studio in downtown Seattle. And um, she I was being trained by one of her apprentices. And I remember the very first day that I arrived at the studio, they were showing me around and showing me the different bits of equipment. And the person who was the apprentice who was my going to be my teacher, she showed me the reformer and she said, we only use grots. And at the time, I know, I understand, I understand this comment now. We only use grots. Like I get it now because I'm niche. Because grots is like the, it's the Dom Perignon of, you know, Pilates equipment. It's the, it's the, it's the original, the way Joseph designed it, manufactured by hand in New York city, uh, you know, Joseph Pilates equipment. Yeah. I mean, I guess some people think it's the Dom Perignon. I just think it's the OG and, you know, like there are people who are really into OG. Uh, but at the time me just 
being a stay-at-home mom, coming off the street, being curious about Pilates, when she said, oh, we only use grats, I was just like, what? Okay. You know, like it didn't, it just went right over my head. It went right over my head. And of course, now as, you know, being an insider in the industry, I'm just like an eye roll. Like, it's like, oh, that is so pretentious. I didn't give a shit. And honestly, to be to be honest, I don't really like the Graz reformers. I prefer to have a more modern reformer. I just like I like it better. Yeah, me too. Yeah. What's your favorite reformer? I mean, that's that's essentially what any client who has asked me about the reformer. It's not to vet the reformer, but they are considering getting a reformer for their home practice. And they're, they want to know from me, like, what reformer should I get? What's your favorite reformer? I am so, I'm so not a connoisseur of almost everything in life. Like when I was in my late teens, early twenties, I actually did an apprenticeship as a fine dining waiter. And that used to be a thing like where you actually, you know, like I learned to flambe things, you know, steak Diane or whatever, crepe Suzette, you know, cooking things at the table, preparing salads at the table, all of that stuff, right? Filleting fish at the table, all that, you know, I knew all the different wine regions of France and et cetera. And so I was a connoisseur. Like I actually went to trade school to learn wine appreciation and sommelier, being a sommelier and stuff. Uh, and so I, you know, learned how to detect, oh, this has got the musky odor of, you know, cigar box with, you know, wet earth and uh, hints, overtones of chocolate and ripe cherries. You know, so I could tell you all of that stuff. Um, uh, and so I, at, at that point in my life, I was a connoisseur and I, I had a fine discriminating you know, palate, so I thought. Um, but I've just become more and more, I guess, disenchanted with, with that position because I think all it does, all it did for me, was give me less enjoyment in, in the things that I was a connoisseur of, right? So when you're a connoisseur of wine and you've tasted all of the finest French wines, et cetera, it's like you can't enjoy a $10 bottle of wine, right? You, you need at least a $600 bottle of wine before you're like, oh, okay, that's passable. You know, I can, you know, it's quaffable, you know? Um, <laughs> and and it's the same with, with anything of which you become a connoisseur, right? So I used to be a massive coffee snob as well being in Melbourne and being a barista for a number of years. And all I found was, you know, at one point I realized it's like, oh, this just means being a this sort of coffee snob just means I don't enjoy 90% of the coffees I buy when I go out, right? So what if I, so, you know, I, I think someone said, maybe it's like Aristotle or someone, but said like pleasure or joy or happiness is the gap between expectation and reality. Right, so if you have a low expectation and reality exceeds your expectation, you feel good, right? <laughs> uh, and vice versa, when you have a high expectation and reality falls short, you feel bad. And so you can, you know, make you can give yourself pleasure and joy by either, you know, having a very good outcome or just lowering your expectations, right? <laughs> And so then everything exceeds your expectations. And so I've actually become an anti-connoisseur. And, you know, also from reading a bunch of science on wine tasting and coffee tasting, where people put like white, red food coloring in white wine, right? So it's white wine with red food coloring in it. And then they have the, the white wine without the red food coloring, right? And they give it to wine studies students 
right? Third year degree students studying wine appreciation and they go, you know, write the the tasting notes of this and they go, oh, this red one's got cigar box and ripe cherries and, you know, dark chocolate. And this white one's got passion fruit and straw and, you know, fresh grass. and It's the same freaking wine, dude, with red food coloring in it, you know? And so that just goes to show that, like that people with a three-year degree almost in wine appreciation can't even tell the difference between red and white wine. By t- literally can't tell the difference between red and white wine in a blind tasting. Uh, and there's lots of other studies on wine where they basically take like a, uh, a North Dakota wine and a California wine and they, are, they give it to people and say, which one do you prefer? And people, of course, go the California wine because California's got a famous Napa Valley wine growing region. North Dakota's not famous <laughs> for its wine, right? But it's the same wine in different bottles, you know? <laughs> and then they take the, the $10 bottle of wine and the $300 bottle of wine and say, which one do you prefer? And of course, people prefer the $300 bottle of wine. Only guess what? It's the same wine, you know? <laughs> so people just can't tell the difference, you know? And that's abundantly clear. Like, I think that's incontrovertible. People just can't tell the difference when it comes to wine. But it's the same with coffee. When you put coffee in a yellow cup, it tastes better than when it's in a different, any different colored cup, right? In a blind, in, 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 yeah. So it's not in a blind tasting because I see the color of the cup. But so, so like, uh, you know, uh, brown M&Ms taste chocolatier, right? Even though it's literally just brown food coloring on the same, you know, sugar coated chocolate. So, um, you know, our our perception affects our experience, right? And when we think that a $600 bottle of wine's going to taste better than a $10 bottle of wine, well, then we sort of turn our nose up at the $10 bottle and we can't enjoy it as much, right? Whereas I've, I've come to a place now, and this is my wife and I have this conversation very often, anytime she buys a bottle of wine, <laughs> Because I want to buy the three dollar bottle, the cheapest possible, <laughs> and she wants to buy the most expensive one we can afford, <laughs> or quite, can't quite afford. And um, but you know, I've come to the view that it's like when it comes to wine or coffee or food or 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 Pilates reformers, it's like I've got some minimum specifications I need to get the job done. My coffee must have caffeine, right? My <laughs> my food must have protein, carbohydrates, fiber, and nutrients. <laughs> you know, um, and hot sauce and hot sauce. Right. But beyond that, it's like, whatever. Um, and same with plays reformer. Like I think, you know, for me, a plays reformer needs to be robust. I just, I don't want it to squeak and creak and groan and be crooked and whatever. It, and I want it to, to be simple to operate. I don't want to fiddle around with the strap adjustment for 10 minutes every time I put my feet in the straps. You know, I just want it to just work. Um, beyond that, I don't really care. You know, I don't care what it looks like or if it's three inches, six inches or 12 inches off the ground. It's like, whatever, <laughs> as long as it works. I'm a, I'm a, like my car is a $4,000, 20-year-old Subaru, you know. It's just A to B, you know, like or I care that it works, right? So we always get it meticulously serviced. We pay $5,000 a year <laughs> probably for servicing. <laughs> but it never lets us down, ever, ever, ever. It's just A to B transport, you know. So I... Yeah, so, uh, so sorry, very, very long answer to a short and straight, simple question, but I don't have a preferred brand of Reformer. I do like the Stott Pilates SPX I've got because it fits my specs. It's never broken. It always just works. It's simple to operate. It's kind of heavy duty. You can jump on it, still works fine, you know. But I'm sure there are 50 other brands that are 
meet those, you know, requirements as well. That's the one I have. Oh, you got this. Do, do you have a favorite? Is that do you have that because it's your favorite? No, I got it because when I enrolled in the the cert course at Breathe, I had six weeks to get a reformer, and that's the one that was available with free shipping. Right. <laughs> I did want the nice one. I wanted the nice, yeah, I wanted the nice balanced body one. You know, the white one that with the movable foot bar that everybody has. I'm glad you didn't get that. They're horrible, in my opinion. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. But I wanted it because I thought it would look nicer in my living room. Or as you go, as you all say, in my lounge room. I think this one looks great. <laughs> you know what's funny about my reformer? So for you listeners, you, you can't see me, obviously, but... Um, my camera is looking directly at my reformer, which is right next to my sofa. It has become such a part of my living room that even when we have guests who come over, they don't even notice it. Like it just, nobody just stops and points and says, what is that? Sometimes I even have it like in the foyer, in the middle of the foyer, and they have to step over it and it doesn't even occur to them that they did that. It's just the weirdest thing. Um, that's great. Yeah. It's just this. So, and you know, I can't, I can't get it out of the living room unless I take it apart. So it's literally just going to be a part of my living room, which is fine because, you know, anytime I need to take a movement snack, I can just get off the sofa and jump on my reformer, which is the best. But to answer your question, yeah, I got it because it was available and I really, I really do love it. And, um, it works for me. My only I had two beefs that are really minor. The first is that the box is longer than the bed. So, you know, like doing grasshopper facing the foot bar is tippy. But then I just turned the other way. I just faced the pulleys. Um, and then the straps, the hand straps that come along with uh, standard that come with this reformer, they don't fit very well over the shoulder blocks. And I prefer to have straps that fit over the shoulder blocks. So I just bought new straps. Uh and that's fine. Like otherwise, yeah, this this puppy's gonna be with me for till the day I die. Like I love it. I think that's that's an interesting you know, it's interesting how you made your purchasing decision there, right? So you liked the Allegro too, because it's kind of sexier. It's very sexy. But your actual criteria when you made the purchase, when it came down to it, was what's available right now with free shipping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the balance body I was just gonna say the balance body was like it was an eight week wait. And I was like, uh-uh, I, I got to start my program. I need, I need this tomorrow. Right. And so presumably you had a, you know, this, you, you, you had the belief that, you know, both machines would be of you know adequate quality, right? That they'll both do the job. The balanced body was sexier, but the stop Pilates was available and free shipping. Yep. And free shipping. And it was a good price. And it had all the, it had all of the the features that I needed to do my program. I had, it came with a box and it came with all the right springs and, and everything. Right. And so, you know, if we think about that in terms of, you know, translate to that to the Pilates world and, and think about this idea of our product is not Pilates. Well, you know, if, if, if you're looking for Pilates classes, because you have a sore back, Right, and if I've got if I'm selling Pilates classes, and then there's someone up the road also selling Pilates classes, and you have an equal confidence that I can help you soar back with that other person, you think, right, I'm going to get my back's pain is going to be better regardless of which class I go to, right? 
we're just going to choose the cheapest, closest one with easy parking, right? Or the, where you can get where they you can get in easily, right? That there's not a waiting list or whatever, right? So if you see those two sessions as sort of like interchangeable, it's like you're going to choose based on price, convenience you know, and all those other factors like you chose with the reformer, right? You didn't choose that one because it's got a better foot bar or the carriage travel is smoother or the the spring adjustment is easier or anything like that. You didn't choose it about any, because of any features of the actual machine, you chose it because of the shipping and the availability, which is nothing to do with the actual Pilates equipment itself, right? And so, but if our course, right, because you're getting you're getting this reformer to do our course, if our course specified that you needed a reformer where the foot bar adjusted all the way up the, the carriage rails, right, only the Allegro 2 does that, right? So you would have been, ha, huh, these two reformers are no longer equivalent in my mind, right? One of them does the job I need, the other one doesn't, right? So you would have been like, fuck it, I'm going to wait the eight weeks for the Allegro, right? So if, if, if we can differentiate our Pilates studio, right? So if, if, if you've got the two Pilates studio options, you know, half a block apart and you've got back pain and one of them has a program called get rid of your back pain in six weeks guaranteed with Pilates, right? And the other one is we're all things to all people of all ages at all times, right? Like these two things are no longer equivalent in your mind. Right, even if the actual cost, price, parking, schedule, everything hasn't changed, right? All of a sudden, your decision-making criteria have changed. So, I think that is the that is the key thing. Like, if if you know, dear listener, if you're out there and people are comparing you on price and they're saying, "Oh, well, up the road is two dollars cheaper a class or whatever," or up the road they've got free parking, or up the road they've got blah blah blah, you know. It's like, well, they're compare if they're comparing you on something that is not inherent to what you do, it's like a peripheral thing like shipping or <laughs> availability or whatever. It's like that means that you have not differentiated yourself and they that that prospect sees your your service as a hundred percent interchangeable with the other brand up the road. Like if you're getting frozen peas from the supermarket. And you see like five different packets and you just believe they all are basically, you got to get the same peas regardless of which packet you buy. You just buy the cheapest one. Right. You know, but if one of them is organic, you know, harvested under the full moon by, you know, <laughs> people, you know, have done the appropriate rituals and whatever. It's like, well, then they're not, if that's important to you, right, now they're not equivalent and it's not, you're not going to get the same peas regardless of which one you buy. So you suddenly buy that one even though the price might be a bit higher and the packet might be a bit smaller and, and whatever, you know, the, the, pa- the product is no longer equivalent in your mind. So if you're getting price shoppers, if you're getting people comparing you on features that are not specific to actually the Pilates, then that tells you that you've not differentiated yourself and that in the minds of those people, your service is the same as the competition. They don't see any meaningful difference. And so the way to make a meaningful, to, to differentiate yourself meaningfully is to deliver Maui where the people up the road don't, don't fly to Maui. And so then there is no competition and they're not even comparing price because like, well, why would I compare the price of flying somewhere I don't want to go <laughs> with flying somewhere I do want to go? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, thinking like you've used the dentist analogy before, if I had to choose between the dentist with the shiny new equipment 
versus the dentist who I know will take care of my tooth pain. I'm going to go with the dentist that takes care of my tooth pain. Right. And, and, you know, my wife, Jules, she's got curly hair. She doesn't want a hairdresser. She wants a hairdresser who knows curly hair, right? Because when you've got curly hair, you learn that a lot of people don't know how to cut curly hair. <laughs> so she wants a hairdresser that knows curly hair. Price is like 17th on her list of criteria. You know, she drives like an hour across town to go to this woman that's like $100 more than the second most expensive one, <laughs> right? And this woman constantly cancels on her because she's got some kind of dog that's always sick or something. And it's this kind of comedy of errors, but she keeps going back there because this woman does such a great job with her curly hair, right? And she just doesn't trust anyone else with her curly hair. So that woman has differentiated herself in my wife's mind as someone who's just, there is no competition. Right. She's not com- my wife comparing her to all the other hairdressing. Oh, she's more expensive or her dog's always sick or this or that or the other. It's like she, she, would dri- she literally drives past 20 hairdressers on her way to get to this woman because this woman knows how to cut curly hair. Right. And so if you can do that in your Pilates business, if you can be like, I know how to cut curly hair. All right. And what might curly hair be? It might be like, I know how to help people with back pain. I know how to pe- help people with arthritis. I know how to work with, with women, you know, postmenopausal women. I know how to work with pregnant women. You know, like pick a pick a group or a result and say, I really know this thing and I specialize in this thing and really this thing. And you will be the hairdresser that only cuts curly hair. And you will have like the people lined up around the block to step in the dog poo that's in the kitchen and all of that stuff so they can get in the chair and they and you can cut their curly hair and they can walk out and go, Oh, that's a haircut I wanted, you know. So yeah, don't don't sell Pilates. Don't play people, don't sell Pilates. Sell Sell the result. Sell Maui. Yeah. Agreed. Good talk. Good talk. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So Rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 
12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.